What's up, shipheads? It's Bull here. And I am Dez. And we are excited. We are here to announce the launch of our new feed, the Party Like It's 90s feed. Listen, everyone loves the 90s. It's one of the best decades out there. Just thinking back of that time in your life in the 90s. On this feed, we're going to be tackling all things from that decade. We're going to be taking our favorite show formats and bringing them over to do so. Dad, tell me a little bit about some of the film and TV content we have coming their way. Yeah, that's right. We're, we're going deep into the closet and we're taking out that FUBU jacket and we're putting new batteries into our Tamagotchi. So we're, we're ready to go here, Bull. And you've got all the franchises that you already know and love. You've got movie drafts, you've got Take 5, and you've got these deep dives that we do. And we're going to really just go right towards the 90s. We're looking at year by year, the best movies of the 90s. And we're doing draft style, head to head. Then we're looking at some deep dives. We're talking about all your classics from the 90s. The Big Lebowski, Hocus Pocus, Cool Runnings. There's all kinds of great deep dives we're looking into the 90s for this one here. And then you got your take fives, your top five lists of all the things 90s. So, you know, you're not going to want to miss any of this stuff. So get your Furbies all lined up and enjoy. If that wasn't enough, we're bringing in all the rest of our network in to join us in building out this feed. We're going to be bringing in the Scary Movie Project team to do horror-specific releases of the 90s. We're going to be bringing in the sports team to tackle the dream team drafts of the 90s, make the best super team, one of the best rosters. We'll be tackling all of that. And if that wasn't enough, we're going to be getting jiggy with it and taking our draft format and doing year-by-year music mixtape drafts. Build out your ideal mixtape for any given year. We're going to be going down the whole decade. If you love the 90s, if you were born and you lived through the 90s, if you weren't and you're jealous and you want to go back and see what everyone's going crazy about, this is for all of you. So make sure you subscribe. Lots of fun content coming your way. And we're going to party like it's the 90s. Yep. to have our first two guests on the podcast. They've been favorites of mine stretching back to the early years of Mystery Science Theater. They riff some of that uh, with some of that same cast again with the amazing cinematic Titanic. They've written uh, for a number of television shows. They've written some terrific books. And up until about a year ago, they toured the country or toured the world uh, with a show called The Mads Are Back. Now they do that same show live via the internet to uh, entertain fans in the comfort and safety of their own homes. Please give a big welcome to Frank Conniff and Trace Beaulieu. Hi. Hi, thanks. Thanks for having us. Yeah, yeah. no problem. Comfort uh, and safety. You don't know how we live. <laughs> I, I don't. I, I was We're referring the to the audience. Edge. I was talking about the fans' comfort and safety, not yours. <laughs> it's very dangerous <laughs> on both sides right. of, of the screen and on, on the screen, too. Right. I uh, I made it to uh, two of your live shows here in Columbus, Ohio, before the lockdown. Uh, oh, I love I love those that theater there. Yeah, that's, that's that a was, great that theater. Was fun. Yeah, it's, it's uh, a really, great town. Good. Yeah, yeah. It's good uh, 
That's yeah, and of course, right now things are coming. Good, and good, going. Uh, good ice cream. I remember. Oh, there. Jenny's yes. is there. Grater's yeah. is there. <laughs> yeah, Jenny's is not too far from the theater. I think they have a location as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think uh, on our uh, scale of ratings, uh, Columbus gets uh, many stars. Yeah, we did it at least ice cream, uh, four ice least, cream cones. Yeah, we've been there at least three times. I think, oh yeah, right? I, I've caught yeah. you two yeah. times. You've come through, and mm-hmm. I know the time you came. The time mm-hmm. I missed that you came through. The first one was uh i think that you did glenn or glenda yeah it was the best one i have never seen glenn or glenda live so it probably was your best show but i took my uh my son and he loved it as well um he had been watching some mystery science theater and i said well let's go check this show out i think you'll like it and he did he uh he, <laughs> we, he talked about it quite a bit on the way home and he still talks about it and oh, we cool. still yeah and we still watch you know uh, mystery science theater and like i said we try and catch some of your uh, internet shows right now when you were doing that show, when you were doing that tour, what kind of schedule were you on when you were on the road? I mean, how how how, how long were you on the road, or did you ever leave the road? Yeah, I, leisurely. <laughs> oh yeah, right. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, we traveled and uh, went to. We usually had two shows a weekend. Uh, but we we were on very much of a comfort. Uh, we were talking about this the other day. Oh, that was a very important part of the tour. Was we could get through it. Right. Uh, yeah, we just went out on the weekends and we got in the night before and, and we just uh, made it, uh, it. It wasn't like a frantic thing where you're on a tour bus and going from right. one night into one night or anything like that. It was much more of a like an old person's kind of. You, know, <laughs> yeah. you weren't you weren't filling a van full of swag and, and rushing off no, to the next place. No, I mean we brought as much swag as we could, but right. we we didn't. Uh, There's no way. trunks full of funny hats. <laughs> there were great T-shirts and wonderful pictures to sign. You had a lot of good stuff. And yeah, um, and, and if uh, check out Tim Holly's website, uh, he does all our graphics, and and also Len Peralta who does all the graphics. Yeah, just uh, want to get the uh, graphic designer plug. That's in right. There. Uh, you had a. You had a different poster, a gorgeous poster for each movie you did, uh, and that you had some. You have some really good stuff. I, I really enjoyed that. Yeah, it's all Tim Holly. Oh, is it? That's okay, great. okay. Well, I'll, I'll mention Len Peralta again later uh, when we talk about some of the books you guys have done. But you know, even a leisurely schedule like that, what was it like to to have to suddenly stop? I mean, you guys were going around the country in theaters where uh, you were going to see crowds. You're going to yeah, see a lot of people. Uh, you know, our whole livelihood was based on going to theaters, mostly movie theaters. We we did the Alamo Draft House in Brooklyn, really, literally the last night before the, the whole <laughs> lockdown started. Mm-hmm. And we were, you know, we were already very careful and we, you know, we didn't we didn't have a merch table. We didn't we had a bunch of nice fans there, but we just waved at them and they waved at us. And, right. you know, and then literally the next day was when the Alamo closed, everything in New York closed and, and around the country. And so that was very, um, you know, that was upsetting as, as you know, as this whole thing has been for everyone. And, you know, we're just so fortunate. Uh, we have such great fans, too, that when we decided to do the shows, um online like once a month and we also have a friend chris gershbeck who knew how to put it all together for us and get it up and running started doing that and they were successful right from the start so you know uh, when the history of this pandemic is written i will easily be able to um list myself as one of the lucky ones um in this whole thing because we were able to still continue making a living and stuff yeah it uh it's it's been great. <laughs> the, the commute has, has shortened quite a bit. <laughs> right. 
But Frank, you know, I was thinking about this. You've you sort of pre-pandemicked. You you tested out pandemic because you had uh, uh, months of of uh, post surgery recovery. Yeah, because uh, I had I had a heart surgery like a couple years ago, right. and um, so I was uh, I was in my house all the time for a long time before that. Anyway, but 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 the thing that's that's another reason why I was lucky is because that happened to me before the lockdown and I was able to have all my friends come to my house sure. and visit me and bring me stuff. Mm -hmm. And they visited me in the hospital. And then that was all denied people who got sick during the uh, pandemic. So Absolutely. that was another case of where I can count my blessings. Yeah. Uh, my brother was in the hospital for an extended time and there were, you know, he was only allowed one visitor per day. Uh, and at the time they were really only allowing him one, they wanted the same person to come back each day. So I would go and hang out for hours, you know, a few hours with him and it's like no one else could come. Uh, right. And, uh, you had to have the masks on and you only had certain times. And uh, it was, it was, uh, it was uh, uh, a rough time, especially. And for in, the, in the middle of, of my whole recovery from my heart, surgery my sister lucy who was so good to me she just um out of nowhere she bought me a box of masks which i was like <laughs> why do i i don't i don't need these well thanks right. and, and then like it was <laughs> I, I i forgot that i had them and then um when the pandemic started i and then it was hard to get masks too when it was first starting right and then i saw oh my god i have a whole box of masks this is amazing right. yeah I, somehow my parents had a box of masks i'm like why do you have this many masks well you know yeah. pre pre-pandemic but also um and i'm if you do, if you don't still do this i apologize uh, you can correct me. Weren't, aren't you all? Weren't you also uh, giving a portion of those proceeds that you were taking in to a food uh, kitchen? Yes. Or a, yes. Yeah. Now with our online shows, uh, we've been able to help out a number of charities, uh, and that's amazing to be able to do right now. Right. Everyone's hurting, and we're just thrilled that people can spend ten bucks and or. 1224 or yeah. whatever it is after the fee sure. um, to just, you know, we just want to hang out and have fun mm. and uh, make people laugh. Sure. I mean, that's, uh, <laughs> that's the heavy lifting we can do. Right. Yeah. And people are, they're very appreciative of it um, because everybody is looking for entertainment. They can watch at home. I know I am too. I mean, I'm always, I've been very grateful to all of the movies and TV shows that I've been uh, watching throughout all of this. And uh, people are, are very um, happy to have something that can make them laugh for two sure. hours. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, like I said, when uh, my son and I sit down and watch them, it's, you know, it's, it's a no brainer that for, like you said, 10 bucks or whatever uh, we can sit there and have two hours worth of fun and, uh, and, and nobody gets hurt, you know? That's right. Uh, how, how old is your, your son? Uh, he, he's, he's about to turn 14. He's, he's 13 oh, okay. right now. Perfect. So Perfect. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm going through all the uh, online uh, movie services and, and forcing my favorites on him right now. He's about that age where, <laughs> yeah. you know, the, the violence that are in certain movies and, and, you know, some of the language I'm, I'm now okay with. I also have a, a, a 10 year old son who wants nothing to do with movies and, and really just wants to play video games and watch YouTubers talk about video games. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. That's, <laughs> Which, that's about the age, you know, that mad magazine hit for us and oh, yeah. a little young and and all that subversive kind of comedy the the marx brothers and, and all of that and yeah. so uh and that's all stuff I still watch and read sometimes, you know, I, oh, I have absolutely. the Marx Brothers box set that I've, I've, you know, I've had them watch several skits and several things from and yeah. 
but yeah, yeah, he, he he's having a lot of fun. I, I'm try. I, I wanted to since uh, since, and I'm forgetting the actor's name, but I'm trying to get him to watch Midnight Run with De Niro and oh, uh, Charles Grodin. Charles Grodin, but then one of the actors just passed away. That oh, was Yafet Koto. Yeah, Yafet Koto. I couldn't think of his name. So that was one that before Yafet Koto passed away, I'm saying, we got to watch this. We got to watch this and we haven't got around to it. So I, maybe this weekend we're going to hit that one because that's 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 one of my favorites. You know, it's, it's a not, fun movie. Yeah, absolutely. So the main focus on our podcast is uh, creativity and how different creators work. And uh, I was watching some interviews with both of you online and I, and I know you've told your origin stories over and over. Can we talk a little bit about the early days of MST3K and and how this got started and and how that process evolved over uh, over several different iterations and several different uh, well decades I guess now it's been quite a while the interviews I've seen basically uh, Trace you've said that you were approached uh, by you were doing comedy in and you were approached and they said hey we're going to do this show and uh, one of the interviews you were very offhand about it um, but someone approached you and said basically we're going to do this show but. They approached you and said, hey, we're going to make fun of movies for two hours. And here's, you know, we're going to have puppets involved. And you said, OK, I'm on board. Did, that, did you have any sort of pause about this? Well, that's not how it happened. Um, oh, okay. It was basically uh, Josh, J. Elvis Weinstein and mm-hmm. myself and uh, Joel uh, Hudson were in a library uh, kind of study room. You could get okay. these rooms. Sure. And there was a bunch of comics and we'd hang out and talk about bits and exchange ideas or just, you know, shoot the breeze. And uh, Joel came to one of these and started coming for a while. And one day came in. Uh, this is how I got involved. I was mm. asked uh, Josh and I to go, hey, we're doing this thing at this TV station. Why don't you come on over? And and it, it was about explained about as much as that. And then okay. when we got there, uh, there was these plastic things he'd made. And you go, well, go pick those up. Those are the puppets. We're going to start doing this thing. But the the whole reacting to the movie came about fairly quickly because, mm. uh, but there were never instructions to go, okay, now we're going to riff on the movie or call it that, you know? Okay. Uh, so it's, uh, it's, 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 it's a real evolution of how it started, but you know, we quickly learned we needed to fill dead space with a joke or something or some comment. Sure. So it, it quickly escalated into that form. And then when we started, uh, actually being able to pay writers and actually write, you know, it, uh, the material just got better. So right. those, those early ones are pretty crude, right. if if not insufferable. <laughs> I, I, I like I to have my early work be insufferable. Right. <laughs> Doesn't everybody that way you can say, look, look what I'm doing now. And uh, <laughs> I've, a- I've gone backwards. <laughs> uh, so once you actually get uh, that sweet, sweet comedy what was it at the time? Comedy Channel, wasn't it? Uh, some of that uh, money from them, they they bring you on uh, to their channel then? Yeah, you know, uh, the producers, Joel Hodgson and Jim Allen, took the show, took the best of the bits we'd done in 22 episodes mm-hmm. and cut it together into like a seven-minute thing that was pretty good uh, mm-hmm. joke-wise and took it to the channel, which was hungry for programming at that time. Sure. So they were looking for a project. And I think Joel had a deal with one of the entities out there. And isn't that kind of how it went down, Frank? Yeah. Yeah. That's, um, I, I, I wasn't there yet, but I, I know that you guys put together a sizzle reel and, sizzle um, real, yes. <laughs> took it, took it to, um, the comedy channel. And there was, there was a, uh, a guy who worked there who was 
the official head writer of the Comedy Channel named Eddie Gordetsky, who was very much an advocate of us. And I think he was very influential in um, convincing the Comedy Channel that this is something uh, you should go with. And then also because it was a two hour show that was so cheap to produce, you know, it filled up programming. Like right. like Trace said, they they really needed programming, which um, is kind of a, a different situation than now, because I, I've noticed right. the Comedy Central, uh, they still do original programming and, right. and some very good stuff. But I've noticed uh, most of their programming is reruns of shows from, mm. you know, like mm -hmm. The Office or um, right. or Scrubs or something like that. Right. And so it was a whole whole different era back then. Well, I, I I remember about that time because you had Ha and you had uh, uh, the Comedy Channel. Yeah, and then they merged. Uh, right. They merged together and became the com it was the Comedy Channel and Ha, and then they became Comedy Central. Right, so. and I missed C CPO Sharky because that was oh. on Ha. <laughs> that was yeah. Ha I, never got, I never got to complete the story. I don't know how it ends. The uh. greatest thing the Ha Channel ever did was they one weekend they had a uh, Bernie Capel festival. <laughs> Oh, wow. and, and they showed every sitcom. He was literally a guest star in every sitcom they had in their library. <laughs> and they showed every episode that had Bernie Capel as a guest oh, star. Oh, that's great. Did, did yeah. they do uh, Lancelot Link? Oh, they, oh I, I don't know if they had Lancelot Link, but if they did, they probably included it. <laughs> the best show on TV. Well, I remember a lot of this pretty vividly because I was a waiter at a comedy club in Toledo where I was going to college. And so I would work there, you know, until fairly late at night. And it seemed like every channel at that time, in addition to having Ha and the comedy channel was they all every channel had some sort of stand up show or yeah, some sort of comedy speak, show. Speaking of speaking of cheap programming. Yeah. Uh, the <laughs> I mean, 80s, 80s were filled uh, yeah. arts and entertainment with with. Uh, and people became it, it kind of saturated and people became sick of stand up. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, well, <laughs> but, you know, that was a whole big thing back then. Well, I mean, I made my roommates sick of because I would come home from at, working at the comedy club and I would watch, you know, A&E's and Night of the Improv. I'd watch E had one and several other channels and they would just say, no, yeah, they God. all did. And you could just go channel to channel. Well, one would be over and you'd go someplace else and watch stand. You know, and it wasn't even full stand up. It was a clip. It was one joke or one bit. And then they move on to somebody else doing another bit. And then another bit. Yeah. drove everybody nuts when I, you know, channel surf doing that. So, mm -hmm. uh, and you're right. It, yeah, it, it really uh, got saturated pretty quick. So there you are on, on, uh, on the comedy channel at the time. So what does the process become? You said early on, it's fairly frenetic and you're kind of figuring it out and, and, you know, making the best show you can, does it become a process where everyone sits making down in the, the right best Making the best, sorry to interrupt, <laughs> sorry. I have to make this clear. We were making the best show we could in a day. <laughs> oh, really? Really? <laughs> yeah. The, the KTMA shows were made in a day. Oh. Uh, we'd shoot uh, part in the morning. We'd do the afternoon. I think all the like sketches, if you can call them that, right. uh, were shot first. And then we did the movie after lunch, after we'd filled our gullets with <laughs> fatty, buttery food. Were there better jokes uh, in the morning or after lunch? Uh, time. <laughs> I'll speak for, um, I'll speak for by the time I was there at Comedy Central, the morning might've been better because we were all so drowsy after lunch. <laughs> yes. It was like, uh, like Thanksgiving afternoon and everybody's yeah, on the couch. I, I, yeah, absolutely. The jokes <laughs> got more cerebral after lunch. Yeah. 
Wow. So in addition to, to, you know, starting to write this, uh, you're both, you both had to come up with characters. Um, you had Dr. Forrester and TV's Frank. Were those all just all you, or did everybody say, well, what if he's this or what if he's that, or did well, you just walk into it? With, uh, with TV's Frank, there was, um, the thing I remember about the discussions about TV's Frank is there weren't any. Um, uh, <laughs> Good meeting, I mean, everyone. I, yeah. Good meeting. <laughs> I just think they, um, you know, they had already been, uh, Josh uh, Weinstein had already been, La- Lawrence Earhart had already been, the template had already been established for like mm. a, uh, an assistant sure. mad scientist. And so that was going to be my uh, character. You know, but 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 there wasn't much discussion about it. I think Trace and I fell into a very natural vibe where we 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 both knew without discussing it much. We knew we were what we were going for. We were going for, um, all, you know, old comedy team kind of sure. um, feeling like like Laurel and Hardy or Abbott and Costello um, and, uh, and, uh, you know, Jack Lemon and Peter Falk in the great race, you know, sure. um, that kind of dynamic, um, one is the, um, you know, the head guy, the other guy is the bumbling assistant. It's a very, you know, common t- template that had been done many times and that we were fans of the people that, that had done that, those kind of things, mm-hmm. um, for years. And, and so, um, it was just very natural and no, no real big discussions about it at all. You know, sure. I didn't play TV's Frank. I didn't read uh, an actor prepares by Stranislavski, you know, was, <laughs> right. feel like that there was a need for that. Gotcha. Well, and, and the mad scientists uh, just were spawned from uh, the theme song, which was brought in to explain what the show is about. Right. So it's not like, you know, there, there was never like, they talk about there's a Bible for the show. There was never a Bible for the show. Okay. There's a lot of like scrolls that eventually <laughs> came together uh, and were housed um, uh, not that well from a housekeeping standpoint. Did you also figure out the those interstitials, those those uh, in between shots, the the studio bits uh, on your end, as opposed, to, or, or did you all have to get together with both teams and say, okay, here's oh yeah, this well it was it was, it, it was all one team, you know, it was right. It was all one writing staff, which mm-hmm. started started off small, and we added more writers yeah. as the years went by. But it was all, you know, it was separated into different days. One day we'd write the movie, we'd we'd riff okay. on a movie, gotcha, and uh, and then the next day we'd do we'd write sketches. Right. A lot of times, the ideas we got from the sketches were from watching the movie. Okay, um, and then on the, ne- the 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 next day after that we we riff the movie a second time and then trace um and joel and would go off and build you know design props and stuff like that mm-hmm. and kevin would go off and and do editing things and mike would would write music and um and myself and uh, mary jo peel and paul chaplin would each take a third of the script of the script that we had and then edit it and assign lines to characters for the riffing. And then we put that together and then there'd be a rehearsal, a read through, not really a rehearsal, a read through of the script. And then further changes would be made. And then, uh, and then we film the movie segment on uh, one day. And, uh, and, and, and even as it was being filmed, sometimes a few tweaks would be done mm. in the script. And then there'd be a whole other day where we'd film the sketches. 
Okay. Uh, so it's, uh, the show is kind of hitting its stride around you know, around that time. I think. What is this kind of doing for both of you as uh, you know, as as your own creative artists, and you know, you're getting confidence from this sort of thing, or is it? Oh uh, hell no! <laughs> <laughs> when does that happen? <laughs> I just wanted to see if there was ever a chance that it happened. <laughs> well, we the thing is 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 another thing that's um, really funny about this whole journey of mystery science theater is that when we were, when, when we were first on the air and before I was there and then when I, and then when I was there, it wasn't on in a lot of cable systems in Mm. America. It wasn't on in Minneapolis where we lived. It was in certain neighborhoods, but, (laughs) and, and we, we actually had to go to someone's house. I think we went to Trace's house to watch Mm. like the premiere um, he oh, was the, it, no, the, that was it in a bar. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. We had to go like into a service area for that cable. Oh wow, company. yeah, uh, yeah. And so it wasn't. It wasn't. Um, so there was no fame attached to it, really. You know, <laughs> and there never has been. unless you walk yeah, into the right never, block. Yeah, right. Exactly. And there never, like, there never really has been. There's been cult fame, which is sure, um, which is a really great kind of fame because. It's very manageable. <laughs> and, you know, you can go into a, a comic book convention and people are like, oh, wow, we're big fans. And then the minute you go outside, nobody has heard of you. Nobody knows who you are, you know. Yeah. So that's kind of, you know, I think for, for a big length of the show when it was on the air, um, our egos were kept in check, which is too bad because I wanted my ego to go crazy, <laughs> but there was no opportunities for it. I wanted to get a swelled head. I did. And, and there was never any call for it. Gotcha. So you kind of get this process going with uh, Mystery Science Theater. And then you move on later on to Cinematic Titanic. And then you're you're there at the Mads. Has, has your process changed over the years? I mean, with uh, only having two of you at this point, obviously you you don't have the same staff you did before. But uh, but do you approach it any differently or is it still pretty much the same thing? We're, we're a lot looser now. Um, yeah. You know, we had to be very structured for the television time coding um, referencing in the scripts and in the films and cinematic Titanic too. We had five people on stage and you had to kind of know when you could be in and out. And, but now Frank and I are very much like a very hip jazz combo. (laughs) (laughs) You can oh the pretentious meter just went off. Well, you're not saying you didn't get a swelled head. I thought you said you didn't get any sort of ego. (laughs) No, it does. It has a lot well, just speaking for myself, and when I speak for myself, I speak for everyone. Right. When I make a blanket statement about this, uh, there, it's we miss the audience. Uh, right. the 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 online stuff is really fun, and it's a different energy. But because all I have to go by is Frank laughing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, man, our our fans, as you know, as you saw in um, the the theater that we played. Uh, a, a gateway, Columbus. Yeah, oh, yeah, that's gateway. it. Yeah, right. Um, such loyal fans and such great people, and 
they've kept us going all this time. It's just really a testament to those people that they can withstand us this long. Right. Uh, see how I put that back on them? Right. Did that, does that ever get uncomfortable having, you know, sitting in the audience, literally sitting in the audience, watching a movie with people? Sitting around people who enjoy what you're doing? <laughs> no, no it's, it's great. And it's, <laughs> it's, it's, uh, we get to perform and get laughs. And plus there's uh there's waitress service. So there you go. Yes. Right, you right. if I, if, if I want to get a soda in the middle of my show, I can have one. So, um, so it's fun, but you know, with, um, save those receipts. <laughs> <laughs> the funny thing with, um, you know, Mystery Science Theater, which I was there for five years. Trace was there for several years longer than that. And the one thing we net, we, we did two live shows the whole time we were there. And so the whole experience of doing it with a live audience uh, was something we didn't really know about until we started doing cinematic Titanic. And yeah. that just adds a whole other layer to it. And it's, it makes it's, it's, it, it, it's so much more fun doing it that way. And, and when I look back, I, I, you know, I wonder why didn't we, when we were, had the show, why didn't we go out every weekend and do live shows? You know, it, it, it feels like, um, uh, we, something we could have done, but for whatever reason we didn't do it's be, but it's just so much better with a live audience. Yeah. And, and I think we've pared the show down to about as pared down as you could get it mm. or yes. the idea anyway, right. you know, yeah. we were two guys with a bag of t-shirts and some books <laughs> and we're sort of, you know, and then we got a film on, on a disc where that's as high tech as it gets. Right. Sometimes we have posters. Right. That can be tricky because we have to deal with rubber bands. But yeah, we've we've <laughs> stripped this thing down to just it can go so fast now. Yeah. Um, or it can go slow. It, well, it was fun to be in the audience because it, uh, I, at least one of the shows, uh, there was uh, someone groaned over a joke in the audience. And I think it was Frank that turned around and said, you come up here and try it. You're able <laughs> yeah. to actually interact. And- <laughs> yeah. We do. We, uh, we love the uh, groaning. Don't mm. don't stop groaning. <laughs> one of my lines that I say at every live show at some point is, um, uh, thank you, one old person. <laughs> I've heard yeah. <laughs> a joke. Right. Like, well, there's only one person who's old enough to have gotten that joke, you know. Right. Somebody that actually knew what Manimal was or something yes, along that line. Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I was, like I said, I was watching some interviews today, and I actually saw one on Cinematic Titanic, uh, some extras on that, where uh, 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 Joel was talking to Mary Jo, uh, and he said that there was something along the magnitude of 600 riffs per show. And I don't know whether I actually sat and counted that or if that was just him throwing a number out there, but I, oh, I think he, I believe it. He sat and counted it, believe me. <laughs> Probably 20. <laughs> Twice, right? <laughs> uh, and I, th- I thought of that before. It's like I thought it was an estimate, but it could be. And I think on the box set of Cinematic Titanic, I think most of those are live shows, and I think it, it yeah, they have that extra energy. Yeah, that was another thing too. Where when we started with Cinematic Titanic, we just did them as studio things that we release on um, DVD, and uh, um, then we we got book to do like a private show at like industrial light and magic, you know, which was amazing to go there and do a show. Wow, and, yeah. then we, and then we were like, Hey, wait a minute, doing it live. Maybe that should be who we are. And then we just, it just really became mostly a live performance thing. But it's interesting when I look back at it, I, I, I sometimes forget that it wasn't even, it didn't even start out to be that. 
Yeah, yeah. we had, uh, I just recently found some old files of all the stuff we wanted to do mm-hmm. uh, and make it like a big world kind of thing like mystery science. You know, why are these guys riffing and where are they and mm-hmm. riffing chamber? And then we realized once we went out on the road, that's the better way. Yeah. It's yeah. easy. <laughs> you go and do a show in front of people who like you and uh it doesn't cost you anything so yeah we had that extra layer yeah well we didn't have the money for it it would have been cool to do but uh just you know just a frame and we couldn't afford it so on the road and (laughs) man we we didn't do enough shows with cinematic titanic yeah we it, it um it was so much fun and and we we yeah we uh it, it was a very hard endeavor to make profitable for us you know it's, it's mm-hmm. very complicated to with a we had a we had a road manager and, and all this stuff and mm-hmm. um uh but i but i love doing it and i would have kept doing it but that Absolutely. wasn't my decision when, when i first discovered i i saw you know i got the box set and uh i didn't i didn't manage to see the live shows for that but i thought well there's got to be more out there and i you know searching the the internet for what, how many more shows did they do and uh i was surprised at how you know how few actually got recorded i don't i'm sure you did much more than than yeah well we, i think there's there's three of uh, there's maybe three shows we did that we didn't record i think Okay. All right. Um, I have kept you longer than I said I would, but there's like a, one more thing. I, uh, I I really wanted to talk about your books and talk about uh, some of the TV you've done. I, I loved uh, uh, 25 Mystery Science Theater, 3000 films that changed my life in no way whatsoever. Oh, uh, that was you. a terrific book. And was it difficult to pare it down to just 25? I mean, uh, uh, no, uh, no, because I think I just... That's just the title I came up with. Yeah. So oh, yeah, just, yeah, yeah. So I just did 25. I think it would have been harder if I had maybe done every episode or something that right. it would have been tiresome to do that. The way I the way I did it, it was just fun. And mm-hmm. uh, and um, yeah, that that was the way that went. <laughs> I think when my son and I came to see you, we saw uh, is it called Choppers? Yeah, the choppers, yes, the choppers, yes. uh, sort of going off that that book title, and we loved it. We, you know, we we drove home. We we talked about it. We we were just you know talking back and forth about the jokes and the movie. We got home and it was kind of late, so uh, my other son was asleep, and I think my wife was probably already in bed. And so the next morning, she, we got up and she asked us, "Well, you know, what was it about?" And we kind of looked at each other and we started <laughs> trying to explain the movie, and we honestly had trouble piecing together how to explain that movie. Yeah, I, my son remembered a couple of really good jokes but we we just could not piece a plot together to explain it yeah <laughs> that's, that's why it's so uh easily rewatchable yeah <laughs> right right it's i don't think i've seen classic. this yeah right yeah <laughs> uh, and I, we mentioned len peralta at the top of the uh at the top of the uh, recording and uh you've both worked with, with him right uh he did silly rhymes for belligerent children with with you trace yes yes that's 10 years ago we we did that book i hard to believe <laughs> but uh yeah, he's he's got a new uh, Kickstarter with his son uh, Max. Uh, that oh, cool! If you could put a link to that, I don't know how to do that from here. I can probably but, find a way. Uh, I, I know they have a thing on Facebook, but yeah, okay. he's great. Uh, very talented family. Yeah, Len's the best to work with. He's fast. He gets it. He's funny, and he's talented. yeah, total pro. Yeah, I, I wrote a, a book of science fiction and horror poetry, and he very kindly blurbed the book for me. Uh, oh, cool! cool. Gave me a, just an amazing blurb, and and like you said, was uh, he got back to me? He was on top of things, and just a a real classy, cool guy. So. Yeah, absolutely. 
Well, uh, the last question I probably have is that you were doing a podcast of your own. You were doing Movie Sign with the Mads and uh, actually talking about good movies for uh, through a lot of that. Uh, what, you think you'll be doing some more of those in the future? No, that's actually one of the, um, that's how bad the pandemic was from us. We were one of the few people who had their podcast canceled. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. People just weren't turning out to listen to the podcast? <laughs> no, no. We, we actually had a really good, um, uh, we had a really good following for the podcast. Uh, but our friend who did it with us, Carolina Hildago, she has a lot of other things going on in her life and um, other stuff to do. And she just didn't really feel she, and, and when she, if you remember listening to the show, when she did the show, she really like devoted a lot of time to researching, oh, yeah. and watching movies and watching other movies that were, so she put a lot into it and she just didn't felt she could, you know, devote the time that she would feel comfortable with. So, so now, um, instead of the podcast, uh, the three of us just have uh, Skype calls and talk to each other. <laughs> but the, like but people the, used to, <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. Just back in the, like back in the good old days. Uh, but those, those podcasts are still out there. I listened to, uh, several of them over the last week or so. Uh, you talked about some of my favorite, uh, movies, uh, uh, Kung Fu Hustle and, uh, <laughs> several others that, uh, and I, and I loved your commentary on them. So, uh, they oh, are thank still out you. There. Yeah, yeah. I loved, I love doing those. Those were, those were really fun. Great. Well, like I said, I've held you too long. So thank you so much to Trace Bill Yu and uh, Frank Conniff. Uh, I really you, appreciate you coming and talking to us. Thank, thank you. you it, was, it was fun. Thanks for having us. Plus had a pretty big hit with WandaVision, its first Marvel serialized property, and now we've seen the follow-up to that in the first episode of The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And here to talk about it with us is K.W. Taylor from the Pos Pop Positively Pop Culture podcast. That's a lot of pops in there. Thanks <laughs> for being here, K.W. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. So uh, you, you've seen the first episode. Um, so what did you think of uh, Winter Soldier? I loved it. I thought it was really interesting. I thought it was very compelling. I, I, those are characters that I had not really bonded with in the larger MCU films um, as much, but I enjoyed seeing them uh, like in a slower pace um, with a little bit more character work going on with them. Right. And I loved that the the problems as as sort of um you know outsized as their superhero lives or in some cases their lives as villains has been their their personal lives were very relatable and real and realistic um the storyline with um sam the falcon, the falcon. And uh, his sister and their fishing boat, that was so like personal and real and sweet and um, like a good conflict. And Bucky's story with essentially having PTSD was, I thought, very powerful. And I, I like that um, we see him in the next phase of his redemption arc. Uh, I'm a big fan of redemption arcs. I, I think they're really interesting and right. good storytelling. And uh I love the trope of turning the villain into the hero. I don't know why. Right, I just think it's really, right. um, it makes for good television or good movie. But I think that, again, the contrasting their their lives as these big, almost mythic people into what they do in the day to day and that they have struggles and problems too. I really, really like that. 
Uh, and speaking of changing people from heroes to villains and back again, um, mm-hmm. we have the, uh, like I said, this is following WandaVision. Yes. And I, I know, you know, I, I, I loved WandaVision as well, but it was more of a, a slow start. It was, well, uh, it took a long time to figure out what was going on. And mm-hmm. uh, they didn't really help you out with the first few episodes that were basically just these uh, nothing more than uh, uh, riffs on a um, old sitcom or, mm-hmm. you know, 50s and 60s. And mm-hmm. so really, we didn't even get a much of a glimpse of the outside world in those first few, which yeah. led to, like I said, some people I thought were you know disappointed or I saw people going back to watch it and saying, hey, does it get better? And I'm like, uh, you just got to stick with it. You know, it's yeah. so different. And so they had all these fan theories about what was going on eventually. Mm-hmm. I don't see the same problem with Falcon and Winter Soldier. This is, this is a lot more straightforward of a story. Yeah, exactly. And I, I was honestly obsessed with WandaVision from minute one. I, <laughs> right. I loved the weirdness of it. It really worked for me. Um, but that doesn't mean I don't like a traditional storytelling narrative. Sure. And that's, that's uh, part of the really cool thing about the MCU is that um, stylistically, it's mostly pretty similar, but you also have something for everybody. If, if a particular character or team up doesn't really work for you, there's probably another film or uh, series that's going to work a little bit better. I tend to like non-traditional stories if that's available and having such a strange thing as WandaVision within this larger, slightly more traditional storytelling, I thought was really cool. And yeah. the nostalgia factor worked and the sitcom format format worked. But again, it's it's obviously a little bit more of a niche thing. Whereas the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, I think, is uh, much more broadly appealing to a lot more people. And frankly, some of the opening stuff even reminded me of the first Iron Man movie yeah. that sort of um, let's get in with the adventure and the action immediately. Um, and so there was almost sort of a a feel-good moment of that 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 harkened back to those early films. Right, and we saw that early uh, flight with Sam through the yeah. uh, canyons that was very special effects heavy and it was yeah. very action-oriented, mm-hmm. uh, which, again, was a direct contrast to WandaVision, which started off as that slow, sort of strange comedy thing that most people were like, okay, what, what's going to happen here? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, right. um, But I, I kind of liked that it then slowed back down and got to those personal stories. Mm-hmm. Um, in some ways, Falcon and the Winter Soldier was reminding me of of um, early seasons of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. in a good way. And I'm really excited to actually see the characters sort of get back together on screen. And But there's also, I mean, with it not being a film, with it being an hour-long weekly television series, uh, we've got like sort of the stinger at the end that leaves us on a mini cliffhanger. Mm -hmm. And uh, that was sort of uh, a little bit of a surprise. And so, I, I mean, the... The traditional MCU film is going to have moments of suspense, but because it's structured to have a closed story, sure. um, we don't get that fun little moment of the the ending of individual episodes where we were left wanting the next episode. Right. And, and along that, I mean, there's been, of course, speculation about this uh, series for a while, spoilers or, or whatever for a while. But we do know for sure, at least as, as far as it's been released, that we're going to see the characters of Agent 13 mm-hmm. and Zemo in the in the program, among others. But we didn't see any of those in the first episode. We really saw uh, we saw the Falcon and the Winter Soldier and we saw the sort of introduction of the uh, this new uh, villain army. And uh, we also saw the. Uh, replacement Captain America make a, a brief scene, but we haven't seen anybody else yet. Right, and that was interesting. I was I was sort of thinking we would see Agent Thirteen much right. earlier oh, since yeah. she's been 
featured in the promo material quite prominently. Mm -hmm. right. um, and we hadn't really seen the the replacement Captain America anymore, except when I did, I did see an article showing like that the person playing him was in the cast. And I figured, oh, well, that's clearly who he's playing based on. <laughs> right, right. Um, yeah. Yeah. And so I don't know. I think I am a film person and a film buff and a fan of films, but mm -hmm. I think at heart, I'm a little bit more oriented toward television. And yeah. so I kind of like that this this particular story is being told in this way. Right. I, I, yeah, I actually, absolutely. I agree. And uh, I don't know if I made it clear when we started talking here, but we have both only seen the first episode. And by the time this airs, there, it may be already on to the next episode, I'm pretty sure. So yeah. you may already have some of these answers, but we wanted to talk <laughs> about it anyway. Yeah. Um, but in addition, we also know that uh, Marvel and Disney have a lot of other uh, programs on the way in the sort of nearish near future, mm -hmm. uh, including Loki, She-Hulk. Uh, there's going to be the cartoon uh, What If series. Mm -hmm. uh, Hawkeye is going to happen. Ms. Marvel, Moon Knight, Secret Invasion, I guess, is going to happen. Uh, Armor Wars and Iron heart uh as well as another one called uh, i am groot but i'm not sure exactly what that's gonna be that's a lot coming up so um for me uh, the uh, hawkeye was one of my favorite everybody sort of rips on hawkeye but he was one of my favorite characters in the comic from uh this uh i mean i liked him before but he had a, a really good four issue mini series that mm -hmm. i really enjoyed and he was kind of a favorite from there and i think i'm also kind of looking forward to loki because that looks again just sort of bizarre yes. so yes uh, yeah how about you are, are there certain ones you're looking forward to I'm very much looking forward to Loki. I like Loki as a character. I think they've done fun, interesting things with him and uh, the, the constant back and forth between villain and maybe not quite so villainous, but mostly villainous. Um, right. But, uh, you know, the, the way that series looks to include some time travel and you know that's right. my that's my jam I love time, travel, time travel interdimensional travel possibly yes yeah. yes and and some db cooper stuff and i am such a db cooper oh buff. yeah i saw that episode so, that looks so so oh fun oh my gosh yeah so i'm really excited about that i'm excited in terms of the films of the recent announcement about black widow coming to theaters and yeah, as a july Disney plus yeah mm. um in fact that would be a great first movie to go back to a theater for i would really Absolutely. love to make that my first return to the cinema um right. so i'm very excited about that, even though I don't love what they did with her character in the main continuity of the films. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, we can always enjoy the film. Yeah. And, and frankly, WandaVision reminded me how much I love uh, Captain Marvel and I'd love to to see more of her in stuff later. Um, but for the for the TV shows, I'm mostly interested in Loki. I will say it's funny that people have now started calling when you release an, a series Week by week, they're calling that the Disney Plus model now, even though that's how television used to <laughs> that work. That's how television was done forever when we were, you know, kids, <laughs> yes. uh, and before you know, really uh, streaming got up. I mean, even yeah. you know, even with cable, there were still a lot of series that were yeah. still done week to week yeah, until I mean, you started having the the back to back reruns of Friends for yeah. hours on end. But <laughs> they still release things one one time one, one a week usually. Yeah, and yeah. I do I do think that that gives a greater sense of community. I know that it made it so that. While WandaVision was on, I wouldn't get on Twitter over the weekend unless mm. I had seen it already. Right. And it made me want to watch it as close to when it dropped as possible. And yeah. it became this little, 
you know, communal thing that we don't get with with when Netflix drops a whole season of something all at once. Oh, right. Yeah. Um, So I'm I'm looking forward to engaging in that dialogue with um, this series and and then the forthcoming ones. There's probably some in there that I'm not going to be as excited about, but um, I'm I'm not really invested in the character of She-Hulk, which is ironic because it seems like it would be up my alley, but I'm just not. Right. um, But we'll see. We'll see. Um, And and there's a uh, I was never a big fan of Moon Knight, although I followed him every once in a while. And Iron Heart is still new enough that I really hadn't, you know, I, I really didn't know, know anything about, about it. Yeah. And Ms. Marvel is the same way. Um, mm. It looks like an interesting character, but it was something that came out long after I stopped collecting comics and stopped reading, yeah. for the most part, reading comics. So, mm-hmm. um, but the What If series was always interesting in Marvel. They would have like two or three uh, stories of, you know, what if this happened instead of this? And it was yeah. always kind of intriguing to see what they did with it. So it, can, it could be kind of fun. Yeah. Absolutely. And the other thing you were talking about getting ready for Black Widow, the only my only problem now with Black Widow is that it's been pushed back so much that we've seen the same previews over and over that <laughs> when they come on wherever. And I'm like, oh, come on, stop showing. Just show me the movie. Just yeah. stop already. Yeah. So I'm excited for it. And you're right. It, it, it seems like July is a good time to go back to the theater. Hopefully, yeah. fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. And, uh, and check that out. Now, what do you think, though, about the the model where they're going to also put it on Disney plus, but as a premium add on. See, I am not a fan of that. Well, I mean, you know, they did that with Mulan and they did that Mm -hmm. with another recent one about the dragon. I can't think of what it was. And I'm already paying for Disney plus. I mean, I get that they're trying to recoup that money from, you know, a a blockbuster that they had anticipated getting from theaters. But Mm I, in both, in both cases, I, you know, I waited in all the cases I've waited until it's, become free for uh, someone that was streaming uh, mm-hmm. or that already had a subscription. I, you know, I don't know if I could wait for Black Widow. It's, like, yeah. uh, I don't know. What do you think? I mean, do you, have, would you pay that extra 30 or whatever it is for something I, you're already streaming? I don't know. I, I think that, yeah, that's a real quandary. I mean, maybe if you made it into a party, but then at that point, why not just go ahead to the theater if you're feeling that right. comfortable with that? I mean, for, sure. two, for especially two people, I'm not going to pay $30. Right. Exactly. But, but uh, I thought that it was interesting that um, HBO did not charge an extra premium for Wonder Woman. They just let us have it yeah. for a shorter yeah. period of time, but still. Sure. Um, so I think that might be, to me, a better way to do it, that make it free if you already have the service, but keep the window really small. Right. And you can mm-hmm. still go ahead and have it you know, simultaneously in the theater. Right. And then you can go and release it on DVD or Blu-ray or whatever. Yeah. And, and, you know, uh, my son's friend just had a birthday and they rented out the entire theater. There's, you can do these, this now at most theaters. You can rent yeah. the whole thing for yourself. And they saw the second Wonder Woman. And there was maybe literally, I think, the 10 of them there Aww. that uh, they rented for this party. And, um, you know, they could have up to 20 or something. And mm-hmm. for Wonder Woman, since it was an older movie, I don't know if it was either $100 or 150 uh, but if it's something first run like Black Widow, if you wanted to rent a theater, I bet it would be, you know, in that other category where it's 250 to rent the whole thing. Yeah. For that lower price, you know, for 100 or 150 if I'm taking, you know, 10 people out to see this movie or if there's 10 people going, that's a pretty good deal. I yeah. mean, you've got the whole theater to yourself. You don't have to worry about other people, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and and you can you, you can enjoy it in, in quiet. So, yeah, it's tough. And I don't know if that will still be going on in July. By then we may, you know, may not have to worry quite as much, but yeah. I have a hunch <laughs> it'll still be a, a cautious time. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, very cool. Thank you so much for talking with us. Sure. Thank you All for right. having me. K.W. Taylor from the Pause Pop Positively Pop Culture Podcast. Thanks for so much for talking Marvel with me. And uh, I would love to talk to you again sometime. Thank you.
That brings us to a movie segment here in our uh, podcast. We're going to talk to the Johnny Legs boys. We've got Mike Liddy here to talk about uh, John Leguizamo with us. How's it going, Mike? Great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem. So we uh, are sort of members of this little group that, uh, you know, during the pandemic, we've gone back and forth and we've talked on Zoom and so forth, but we're all huge John Leguizamo fans. So I thought it'd be fun to start doing a John Leguizamo movie of the month uh, for this podcast. And you had the task of of, uh, of getting this first movie and uh, all the guys got together and they they chose it and you ended up watching it. So what is the the first ever John Leguizamo movie of the month? So the, the Johnny Legs movie of the month Johnny is uh, 1993's Super Mario Brothers. Oh, I can't believe it's 93. Uh, uh, I love it in the uh, in the IM, uh, in the Wikipedia for it, not the IMDb. Uh, it, it describes it as a adventure comedy film loosely based on the Mario video games by Nintendo. Um, you you were the one that watched this. Uh, do you want to tell us how loosely based it is, and tell us a little bit about the movie? So uh, there are some similar character names from this movie as that you know that are the same in in the Mario video game universe but no seriously they yeah, they that's the, they didn't have on. very much source material to work with you know what do you want right. <laughs> well now they you know you can stitch together a movie uh, there's so many Mario games out that wouldn't be a problem right yeah right. i you know at this time you know there was obviously we had our you know super mario brothers 3 was out in 88 and there was several other super mario world i think might have been the most recent one before this one came mm-hmm. out but um yeah very loosely based although you know i was surprised i didn't notice it when i was a kid but i noticed it watching watching this time around there are a ton really? of easter eggs though oh you know, really? yeah, if you pay attention, like Yoshi and Toad have bit roles with which I didn't remember. Uh, huh. There's a bar in one scene called Bullet Bills. There's Thwomp branded boots and, you know, there's mushrooms here and there and bob ombs and even even <laughs> hypnotizing baddies with music, you know. Oh, wow. I, I don't remember any. I don't remember much of this movie, to be honest with you. I, I, but I don't remember that sort of thing. Uh, they, yeah, there's tons of details. Honestly, my biggest problem uh, when it comes to inconsistency with the movie is that Luigi didn't have a mustache. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. Big miss to me. Right. OK. They had they had an opportunity there and they didn't. Uh, so you want to give us just sort of a preview of what, what, what is the plot to this? What are they trying to do here? You know, I, I think what, I forget what you said, but it was a, the, the tagline of it is, you know, this ain't no game. It's a live action thrill ride. Right. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. A little tongue in cheek, but it really was, you know, there's, there's dinosaurs and there's human babies hatching from eggs and interdimensional right. travel and, you know, turning people into lizards and prison breaks <laughs> and secret handshakes and all, all kinds of stuff. You know, you even get to see Johnny legs shirtless at one point. Um, nice. but you know, they, they, they nail some of the, some of the great elements. There's some great call outs to, you know, sliding down pipes and there's plumber jokes and, you know, benevolent fungus and dystopian warlords and stuff that are that are that are great callbacks and consistencies with the video games wow so uh, it, it doesn't have a very uh good critical legacy um it, it only grossed about 20 million in the u.s and canada uh when it first came out um and it did some other uh, overseas box office but uh when people look back at this they don't they don't seem to have a very good opinion of it no you know, 
I, I agree. Um, and, and even for me as a kid, you know, I, I had so much excitement and anticipation for this movie to come out. Cause like I said, I was nine years old. I was still trying to beat, you know, Bowser's floating ship on world eight of super Mario three, you know? And, and when the movie came out, it just, it didn't cement itself as a classic for me then either. And I, I think it's because, you know, I, I probably didn't get it. It was, it was right. a dark and, and it's gritty and it's gross. And yeah, at times it's, it's poorly written and, and poorly acted, you know, except for our boy, Johnny Legs, of course. And, but it, you know, it had poor special effects, even for its time, you know, Jurassic right. Park came out that year too. Um, but it, yeah, it just, yeah. it wasn't that colorful and fun vision of Mario and Luigi that I had in my mind as a kid. Right. Well, and like you said, it it, uh, had so many opportunities. I mean, the cast was Bob Hoskins, Johnny Legs. You had Dennis Hopper in there, uh, Lance Heinrichsen. uh, Dan Castellaneta was uh, the voice of Homer. He was the narrator. Yeah. And just a lot of other great people in there. So there was like uh, Don Lake of, you know, Christopher Guest film fame. And um, oh, yeah, yeah. The, the, the woman, Fiona Shaw, who played the aunt from the Harry Potter movies was in there, too. And Fisher Stevens. Um, luckily, his role wasn't as problematic as it was in the <laughs> short circuit films. But, right. you know, there's a couple of other like you mentioned, Lance Henriksen from, you know, Alien and Mojo Nixon, the rockabilly musician, right. had a cameo <laughs> in there. And just star studded yeah. cast. I was surprised Dennis Hopper agreed to be in this movie. <laughs> Me too. But I mean, it was a chance for him to just go nuts. But, um, but, uh, I, I had heard this story in, uh, in, on a podcast and I, I was looking it up, uh, uh, earlier and I guess um, I, as much as the internet is is telling me the truth, but um, in a in an interview in 2007, uh, Bob Hoskins said that Super Mario Brothers was the worst thing I ever did, and that the whole experience was a nightmare. It says he and our friend uh, Johnny Legs here got drunk uh, before, before, not after each day of filming and would continue to drink uh, in between takes. So um, By the um, immense amount of sweating going on in the movie. Right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Another interview, he was asked, what was the worst job you've done? What was your biggest disappointment? And if you could edit your past, what would you change? And his answer to all three of those, Bob Hoskins answer was Super Mario Brothers. So it, it didn't have great critical reception and Apparently the actors didn't really dig it either. You know, that's disappointing to me. You know, I think about it and yet yeah, it's, it's riddled with problems. Right? right. But if you go in, uh, you know, with, without the expectation that this is going to be some Oscar worthy performances and brilliant plot twists and stuff like that, you know, you're going to have fun. I, I actually expected less than I got out of it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, good. You went in with those expectations. You were good. I mean, watching it now as an adult, sure, it was riddled with problems, but it really is a ridiculously unique film. You know, like who who would have thought that, you know, Mario deserves this this gritty backstory reimagining. But right. um, it, it's creatively composed. It's got a really different vision. And, and um, you know, if you don't take it too seriously going in, I think you're going to be able to appreciate this really, really unique product of a really weird time in cinema that sired this entire new new film genre. You know, this is the first video game based movie. You know, it, it might have had some problems and I, you know, I, I wish the actors would have enjoyed it a little bit more. But uh, <laughs> watching it now as an adult going back and, and kind of seeing some of the stuff, it sure had that nostalgia factor for me. But I, I actually think there's some parts of it that were really well done. 
if it wasn't for this movie, we wouldn't have had Battleship. So, you know, another game-based movie. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> one of my favorites. <laughs> when we were talking about uh, the movie of the month, the John Leguizamo movie of the month, we wanted to make sure everybody could get a hold of it. Um, they could go out and, you know, just binge it immediately. Um, uh, how did that go for you when you wanted to watch it? Not well. Um, <laughs> Not well at all. I think Nintendo and Hollywood Pictures and whoever else was involved, probably Bob Hoskins, uh, never wanted this movie to see the light of day ever again because, you know, I've, I have several streaming services and I looked into the availability of this movie and it wasn't available on anything I had nor anything that I could subscribe to. So um, I did go out on eBay and there are several copies available there. I actually have one on its way to me now as a backup just in case. But <laughs> I think your best bet if you're going to want to pick this movie up is to go out to your old, put your mask on and get out to your old, uh, you know, um, use DVD stores and just kind of rifle through all the stacks of DVDs they have out there. Cause that's what I did. And on my, on my third store visit, I, I managed to come up with my prize. Right. And, and I think we both noticed that it is available on YouTube, but not as I don't think as one continuous movie. I think you have to watch it chopped up into bits and pieces. So if you're you're desperate to see this, uh, that's your your other way to go. Which you should be desperate to see it, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully by next month when we announce the new one, everybody will be like, you're right. We're so glad we went and did that. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> cool. Well, thank you so much for helping us out with the uh, Johnny Legs movie of the month. Uh, Mike, we'll, uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Sounds great. Thanks so much, Matt. I'm Phil. And I'm Kyle. We host the Movie Wars podcast. We pit the most legendary films of all time against one another using our theoretical scorecard, which consists of some classic categories like best cast, as well as off-the-wall categories like which gang would you rather be in from our Goodfellas vs. The Godfather episode, or who would you rather be eaten by, the shark or the T-Rex from our Jurassic Park vs. Jaws episode. And our matchups aren't always obvious. We go out of our way to find connective tissues between the films we choose. You won't want to miss randos, which is the result of us doing hours of research and preparation for each show. You're guaranteed to hear facts that you won't even find in the deepest corners of the internet. Check out episodes like There Will Be Blood versus No Country for Old Men and Total Recall versus Minority Report. If you want to hear a hilarious and informative approach to stacking the greatest films of all time against one another, check out Movie Wars.